gonna keep going and try try to at least knock out the rest of this book i really want to be done with second samuel it's been good but i'm ready to move on so yeah today is still october 12th 2021 and uh it's slightly raining outside have you ever noticed you've been in conversation with someone that's like a complete stranger and y'all start making small talk and then there's this awkward pause and you run out of things to say and the next thing that person says is like well looks like the weather is uh it's a beautiful day outside or it looks like it's going to rain or it's getting colder like just yeah make a comment on the weather it's just funny anyway random thought but yeah it is eight twenty-two in the evening Let's just keep going. Let's go ahead and go. In 2 Samuel chapter 20, 20, this cat named Sheba. Who was the son of Bikri. Had this plan to overthrow David's kingdom. So Joab and David, yeah, David sends out Joab to go take him out. And that's exactly what happens. And then there's a bunch of chaos in the kingdom. Just chaos, continue chaos. And then God, yeah, David sets new people in charge. He made Joab commander of his whole army. This dude named Beniah, he made over, he put him over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. So I got to look and see who those folks were. And then Adoram was in charge of all the forced labor. Some dude named Jehoshaphat, <laughs> son of Ahilud, was the court historian. Shiva was the court secretary. And Zadak and Abiathar were were the priests now. And then David had a personal priest in this cat named Ira. All right, so we're now in 2 Samuel chapter 21. And it says, during, this is called Justice for the Gibeonites. During David's reign, there was a famine for three successive years. So David inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered, it is due to Saul and to his bloody family because he killed the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were not Israelites, but rather a remnant of the Amorites. The Israelites had taken an oath concerning them, but Saul had tried to kill them in his zeal for the Israelites in Judah. So David summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. He asked the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? You can... How can I make atonement for how can I make atonement so that she will bring a blessing on the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites said to him, We are not asking for silver and gold from Saul or his family, and we cannot put anyone to death in Israel. Whatever you say I will do for you, he said. They replied to the king, As for the man who had annihilated us and plotted to destroy us so we would not exist within the te- whole territory of Israel, let seven of his male descendants be handed over to us so we may hang them in the presence of the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen. Whoa, that seems like an extreme request. 
The king answered, I will hand them over. David spared Mephibosheth, son of Saul, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan. I remember Meph, he got the free food, free meals from David, got to eat at the king's table every night. That was David's one of the first thing he did when he took over Saul's kingdom. I took the throne from Saul after Saul died. All right. Because of the oath of the Lord that was between David and Jonathan, Saul's son. Yeah, Jonathan was David's best friend. But the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, who were the two sons whom Rizpah, daughter of Aya, had borne to Saul, and the five sons whom Merab, daughter of Saul, had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Maholathite, and handed them over to the Gibeonites. They hanged them on the hill in the presence of the Lord. The seven of them died together. They were executed in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. This seems so out of place, extreme, and doesn't make sense to me. But Armani and Mephibosheth. And what is going on here? He said he spared Mephibosheth, son of Saul's son, Jonathan. So there was another Mephibosheth born to Rizpah. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Yeah, start talking in circles. The burial of Saul's family, Rizpah, Aya's daughter took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the rain poured down from heaven on the bodies. She kept the birds of the sky from them by day and the wild animals by night. When it was reported to David what Saul's concubine Rizpah, daughter of Aya, had done, he went and got the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen them from the public square of Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung the bodies the day the Philistines killed Saul at Gilboa. David had the bones brought from there. They gathered up the bones of Saul's family who had been hanged and buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan as Zela in the land of Benjamin in the tomb of Saul's father Kish. They did everything the king commanded. After this, God was receptive to the prayer. For the land. He was receptive to prayer for the land. But before that, he was not receptive to prayer for the land. It's interesting. The Philistine giants. The Philistines again waged war against Israel. Like, these fools are back again. David went down with his soldiers and they fought the Philistines, but David became exhausted. Then Ishabinab, one of the descendants of the giant, whose bronze spear weighed about eight pounds and who wore new armor intended to kill David. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, You must never again go out with us to battle. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Once again, there's something going on with these lamps. Because today, I was just, like I said, I flipped to... Matthew, whatever, and talking about the ten virgins and their lamps and the oil. and Anyway, I feel like God is trying to say something to me about these lamps. After this, there was another battle with the Philistine and Gob. At that time, Sibachai, the Hushathite, killed Saph, who was one of the descendants of the giant. 
Once again, there was a battle with the Philistines at Gob, and Elhanan, son of Jar-Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath of Gath. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. So there was another Goliath? Yeah, I don't know. At Gath, there was still another battle. At Gath, there was still another battle. A huge man was there with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Twenty-four in all. He, too, was descended from the giant. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of David's brother, Shimei, killed him. These four were descended from the giant in Gath and were killed by David and his soldiers. This is interesting because I was actually born with six fingers on both hands, but not six toes, it's six fingers. But they took a little string and they tied it around. My brother had them too. Tied them around our fingers and they fell off. It was just like air. It's weird. And now I just have like these little bumps on the side of my hand, pinkies, that look like warts, but they're not warts. I never forget being in school and I told a kid that I was born with six fingers. He's like, no, you weren't. That's a wart. I was like, no, for real. I was born with six fingers. I have, my parents have pictures of it and everything. They didn't believe me. So anyway, yeah, I'm part alien. <laughs> now you know a secret about A.A. Ron. All right, let's read these Tony Evans notes. And I think we'll stop there. Yeah, we're going to stop there after this because I do want to do a little bit of writing and need to wrap up this laundry before I go to bed. Here we go. Release Tony Evans. No, that's what she got to say, Tony. The incident regarding Saul's actions is not recorded in scripture, but it clearly violated a covenant Joshua had made with these non-Israelites years before. Saul had no doubt killed far more Gibeonites, but the number seven was likely chosen as the number of completeness. It's like three and twelve, if y'all are paying attention. This would bring full satisfaction for the wrongs Saul and his family had committed against these people. As grim as this request seems to us, it is a reminder that sin is a great offense to God. The rain signified the Lord's lifting of the curse and the end of the drought brought on by Saul's actions. By this point, David was no longer an energetic young warrior, and he soon became exhausted. The close call with Ishbabinab led David's soldiers to make him promise not to go into battle again. David's song of praise in this chapter is virtually identical. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. That's for the next chapter, y'all. All right, let's hop on this Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated or showed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10, verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with our heart, 
We believe that we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess out loud that we are now saved. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever, anybody, everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So you can simply do that right now. You can say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time, have an amazing, amazing rest of your evening. Get some sleep. And I'll holler at y'all tomorrow, God willing. And October 13th. 2021 Wednesday hump day deuces